Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona. And the world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweed's Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed's Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. Are we live, Silver Sister? Whoop, whoop. We're actually live. Awesome sauce. And we have a guest. Yay. We haven't had one for a little while. That's probably because I haven't been here for a little while. And where is it? There we go. Ooh, hot in here. What you doing, little bear? Little bear's coming out for the show. Where's our kitty? Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. You better fix that. You better go pop that back open. That's hours of entertainment right there. I know. Now what? Now what do we do, guys? I collapsed my own toy. I can't get that thing to stay open. Sorry, I got mesmerized watching the kitty. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. We are excited for our show. It is October 12th, and for the bestie, how many days until Christmas? <gasps> Exciting. Christmas is in 74 days. Yay, a baby. Yeah. Oh, how many episodes of House of Dragon? No, that's not what we wanted to know. That's funny. Everybody's watching House of Dragons right now. You're watching it? I didn't want to buy HBO again. Um, they, yeah, it's a, a Game of Thrones prequel kind of thing, but they really, what's that? You didn't watch that? It was good until the last couple seasons where I think like Disney came on and made it sissified. Something happened. They somebody bought the last two seasons, rewrote it, and they didn't know what they're talking about. And I don't know. It's just stupid. And I didn't read the books, and I knew it was wrong. I'm like you guys are dumb. There's no pictures in the books anyway. Come on. Or are there? I don't know. I did it again, little bear. Lady, lady, wait, lady. <laughs> now she's going to chase her tail. Yep. Oh, there we go. Pop it open herself right there. All right. Well, welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. Can't believe it's halfway through October, almost to Halloween. Woo-woo. We love that part of it. I'm getting my creepy creepers out in the front yard. Need to go buy some more. It's slacking out there. What I need are some more stands like the glue is on so I can put all the little things close to the fence so when people walk by, they freak out. But I'm also scared that people will, will steal them. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just I need a giant. Yeah. Like well, you like the dinner bell guy. <laughs> yeah, that thing. I need to know what what's the dinner bell stand called? I don't know. What is it? What would you look that up? Dinner bell stand. A shipper hook. Shepherd's hook. Let's see. Shepherd's hook. Uh, shepherd's hook. Where would you for the garden? Shopping. Shopping shepherd hooks. Oh. Eh. Kind of. There are some. Here we go. That will work. Those will work. Wow. Pack of what? 48? I don't need that many. Yeah. All right. At any rate, you are listening to Weed Say Wednesday, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Check out TumbleweedSellCenter.com for all your groovy information. And if you want to get certified here in town, go to the certification section. We are having amazing prices right now on certifications. 249 includes everything. State fee, process, doctor fee, our ability to be kind to you. Just kidding. We love you guys. Oh, I couldn't help myself. I had to throw something in there to make everybody laugh. All right. What conditions qualify you for a medical card? PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, covers everything, migraines, fibromyalgia, DDD, RA, all the arthritis, all the leg cramps, everything else. What else am I missing? All the chronic pains. All the chronic pains. Oh, glaucoma. We're not We're not there yet. Is that in here? Yeah. Uh, not all of it. Yeah, just all of it. Um, severe nausea. Nausea. Seizures, including epilepsy, HIV, Hep C, ALS, Crohn's, agitation of Alzheimer's, cachexia. I looked it up, but I can't remember what I said it was. Remember cachexia? I don't know. Wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. And you can check out the good leaf. We just turned one. Yay. Oh, that too. All right. The good leaf at 6224 East Speedway. That's right. We're taking up Broadway and Speedway. Don't worry. We'll get to 20 seconds soon. You might find us on Grant hanging out in the corner. Who knows? Uh, come on down to goodleafshop.com. You can Buy all your uh, hemp and CBD needs online. We'll ship them to you wherever you're, wherever you are. Not overseas though, right now. Do we ship overseas? Sure, sure. We'll ship overseas. Why not? We'll get in a boat. We'll take the boat. Row, row, row your boat gently overseas. Smoke in the weed. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's some stuff going on here. Yeah, I don't even have my regular sound effects. I'm trying to find something. Yeah, bark, barking a horn. All right. Well, today we're really excited. We have a wonderful guest coming on. Um, and this is uh, Michael Wilson and uh, from Franklin's Craft Cannabis. So I'm going to read a little bit here. Uh, Michael is an entrepreneur in the greater Kansas City metro with 20 plus years of experience across design and engineering. Michael created a business in both Kansas and Missouri, all the while keeping teams local and employing hundreds of people over his career. 
Awesome. Local is good. We like that, Michael. These businesses range from agricultural engineering, brand development, marketing, micro precision manufacturing, multi-state, international licensing, and more. Uh, So please give a warm welcome to Mr. Michael Wilson. Hey, hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. It's It's a good day and I can't complain. How are things out there? Oh, it's good. We, we're getting some good weather. I thought the mosquitoes were going away, but I got attacked this morning, so we're waiting for them to go. <laughs> but it's good otherwise. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, Michael, when mosquitoes go away, that's great. Yeah, I know. You probably get them pretty big out there, I would imagine. Missouri? That and cicadas. Gonna... It gets swampy out here in the summer, and we're just now heading, heading into cool season. So we're just past mosquitoes, which is great. Nice. That's good because, yeah, they, they get big. And they're getting bigger out here. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they're all on cannabis. I don't know. They're growing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael, you have done a whole lot of really amazing things in your career so far. And you look so young uh, with the photo Thank we got on our website. <clears throat> oh, there I, it I is. Oil of Olay. Look at this guy. He's like... Yeah. He's 19. Don't even let him fool you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have all my life always looked like the young kid. I'm 38 years old. I've always looked like a young kid. But now that I'm 38, I just use the moisturizer line, you know. So then that way, it's, I got a lot of energy, too. So people think I'm younger. But, you know, I'm, I'm creeping up to 40. But, you know, I appreciate the youthful comment. Oh, absolutely. We're going to blame a cannabis moisturizer. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a daily smoker, and that does let me look a lot healthier. So I, I, I do contribute some of that to it. There you go. I'm going to do the moisturizer thing, though, because I'm a little over 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Michael, tell us about – okay, we know how old you are now, even though you're 19. Um, tell us about how you got into cannabis. It looks like you've had a pretty extensive career um, – in development and marketing and engineering, agricultural engineering. Tell us about yourself. Sure. So, you know, I saw kind of an opportunity, and like many of us, you know, we all had the desire to be in the cannabis space. And, you know, you you spend time looking at, you know, as a business person, entrepreneur, like, where's my place in that? And I was, you know, all my life I've been an entrepreneur. I've been in a wide variety of industries. And, you know, cannabis was one that was personal to me. You know, when I'd gone through a divorce, I quit drinking and I transferred over to cannabis. And I found that, like, the 10 years of my life on cannabis was a much more positive, um, you know, productive, um, wiser person than what was on alcohol. And that was something to me. I was like, man, if this if this has the ability to do like this with me, I understand now why everybody wants this product. And. Around that time, I just uh, I had a venture that had gone under, and I was, you know, uh, in a real kind of dark place in my life, and I got a phone call, and the phone call was from Jim and John Mueller over at Greenlight, and um, that's a, a multi-state operator based in Kansas City that most people know from California and Vegas. They owned the Acres down in Vegas, which was one of the largest um, dispensaries at its time and one of the first 24-hour kind of like facilities, and things like that. And he called up and said, Hey, we just sold out of our facilities in California, Nevada. And he was good friends with my dad and said, Hey, you know, uh, would Mike be interested in coming in and writing applications? You know, we're trying to look at Missouri as a market to go to next. And so they hired me along for uh, two years to be a business analyst for them and write applications. So my start into the cannabis 
business other than as a consumer came through the lens of writing applications. And Missouri was an open, competitive market, and we were fortunate enough that we won 18 licenses, applied for 24 and won 18, and I was on that team. And what I didn't really know was that that was going to launch my career into cannabis. And so once I saw, you know, like what this opportunity was, that wound up being from my understanding the most that anybody won in the state of Missouri. And that kind of gave me the the equity and the reputation Mm -hmm. to go build my own business. So I left Greenlight, which are very good friends that helped us out, you know, uh, advising and guiding us along to go do our own venture. And so myself and my business partner, DJ Rice, uh, you know, which is a person of color, seems very weird, you know, in the cannabis industry in Missouri that there could be a relationship like uh, Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre. You know, we are two creative guys that came together for an idea. And, um, you know, we went and acquired a license, a processor license this year in Missouri oh, wow. and just, just launched a whole line of products uh, last week. And so it's, a, it's great timing, but we teamed up to get into this line of work with a really great guy and a great company, Andy Miller with Guy's Chips. And Guy's Chips saw this opportunity to produce consumer-level products in the Missouri uh, THC space and decided that we were the best partner to work with. And they became an uh, early investor, and so now we have a, a wide variety of brands like James Lemonade, Guy's Chips, and many more that are entering this space. So we're acting kind of as a liaison in our business model you know, that while we have our own really great core products like blunts and pre-rolls and edibles, we're bringing in some really big, awesome brands and bringing them in authentically and not just trying to, you know, make the exact same version, but with weed. So it's been a, it's been a, an incredible journey. You know, I think anybody that's been in the business knows just how, uh, you know, um, exciting, but ruthless and tough and, you know, all the trials and tribulations, it's kind of like pure entrepreneurship. And so, um, you know, yeah. I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm driven by all that. And we definitely had our experiences, but we are an independent. You know, we're not we're not a part of any trader pack, um, trade association or pack. We're not, you know, um, some multi-state operator. We're just two guys that saw the dream, saw the opportunity, and working to build it. Wow, that's awesome! It sounds like you're doing very well too. Well, you know, I, I think in the Missouri market. You know, there you can define well, but out of the 300 and some odd licenses, you know, about one third of those had either gone under and been sold, and and another mm. one a third of those, I believe, aren't even operational. And so, just because you oh, win wow. a license, I think we've seen this in multiple states, right? Just because you win a license and that's a golden ticket per se, that doesn't mean that that money comes to you today. You still that's just the right to compete in the business. And you know, while we've been great, our opening was great and we had a very successful opening, you know, there's a big long-term game that needs to be played. And in order to build a big successful company and survive with multi-state operators, you know, with federal decriminalization, we're going to see a whole new level of multi-state operators. We're going to see, you know, in maybe five to 10 years, you know, some of the first publicly traded companies in America that are cannabis. So it's a challenge, you know, long-term. And, you know, I think we're just pretty realistic with it from a data standpoint and from a strategy standpoint, but, you know, every market's different and, you know, we found some success here. That's not to say that it won't be the same elsewhere, but we do have big ambitions and, you know, I hope that, uh, I hope we can bring that to fruition. Absolutely. Um, I have to ask who's Franklin. Well, you know, the name that we came up with, okay, so this is, it's kind of a fun story. I, 
needed a name. Like the idea for the business was there before the name. And my business partner and I, he's 50-some-odd years old. He's black. He's from a different culture than I am, but we're really good friends. And so, like, at the core of the concept of this is, like, how could a company like this be built by these two polarizing figures in normal society? And we started asking ourselves. I woke up just one morning. I went, man, what is it that we can all agree on? No matter whether you're black or white or you're anything, what can we agree on? And I thought, man, we all love money and we love weed. And, you know, what yeah, better yeah. than Benjamin Franklin, Franklin Stash House? And that's kind of where the name it just came out. And mm-hmm. ran by Rice's, pitched him the concept, showed a logo, and he's like, man, this is it. Saw the kind of Ben Franklin face, you know, faded out on the pack, and he was like, this is it, man. And Frank, then, you know, Franklin Stash House was born. That's awesome. I've got the biggest – I'm laughing so hard. We're both in here like, oh, my God, that's fantastic. Benny and the Blunt. I like it. Oh, so Benny and the Blunt. I like little... that one. We... I like that one. Yeah, a lot. ask Elton if you can sing that. Benny and the Blunt. That's a good you idea. You got to have a little picture of Ben on here somewhere, like a little like I see the look at the logo down here, the Stash House logo. This well, Franklin. that's awesome. In the, on our on our original packs, oh. we actually had a, a Ben Franklin face uh, on the hundred dollar bill faded out on it. But in Missouri, you can't by law have any faces or human portrayals on packaging. So when you look at our site, you'll see packaging that doesn't have the Ben Franklin face on it. Uh, but you'll right. see it kind of in our in some of our branding and whatnot. Yeah, and the the logo for it it's fantastic because it it says I mean you know it's there. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I love the irony, you know, like in, in our brand, I think you're going to see a lot of irony because there's irony just in the relationship of the founding partners. But, you know, I love the irony of like really classy, refined, kind of almost old money look to something that's so new and so raw, you know, like it's not what you expect a cannabis brand to look like, but it feels good. And that's kind of the, you know, like what we try to play on a lot with the Franklin Stash House brand. It seems to be well received. Oh, Absolutely. And so on your um, your brands page, you have a a few vendors here and guys snacks. You were talking about the, so these are cannabis infused chips. So yeah, so are? we'll have oh, uh, so in 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 the Midwest, you know, if you look at kind of like the overall nation, you always find like regional players for like beverages and food, right? And Guy's is one that's been around for 80-plus years. And in the kind of Midwestern, greater Kansas City, Missouri area, people have deep, deep memories about, like, Guy's Chips parades, you know, when they were a kid. And, like, they've just been a staple of a lot of cultures and a lot of people. And they just see, like, where the world's coming, you know. Like, there's a lot of big beverage brands, a lot of big snack brands eyeballing this space and they're opportunistic like anybody and see that, you know, consumers have been buying their chips for decades as munchies, you know, why not? Should we create a THC version of that? So, um, you know, that's kind of (laughs) part of it is, you know, like while we're going to make a chip, they've also got like some old recipes for brownies and cookies and what better to dig into those old recipes and bring to life, you know, like the stuff that people really have nostalgia about and making it at that level of quality. And so, that's kind of the vision of where we want to take brands, you know, is that while there may be an entry point that seems obvious, like a guy's chip, there's far more, more, more opportunity to build equity with those customers and produce quality products. And so that's kind of like where you'll see the evolution of some of these brands roll out and kind of how we look to play things here and in other states is working local. You know, I love that you said earlier that you love local. We're big on local. Kansas yeah. City's big on local. And, you know, I can't go out of Missouri and be local, but I sure can team up with, 
the guy's chips of Arizona or, you know, uh, the beverage company of Arizona or Illinois, whatever that may be. And that's kind of our strategy that requires a very innovative, you know, um, fast paced movement in your production, but it's totally possible. And we're having a lot of success with that right now. And I think that's where the trend is nationally going is local, local, local. And I think our model fits in pretty well with that. Oh yeah. And imagine when it does go federally legal at all the high V stations you've listed here. Cause we both know about high V. <laughs> There's a lot, there yeah. are a lot of shops on here. If you search for guys' locations, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we've got, you know, I mean, in federal decrim, you know, uh, which, you know, they look at, I would say if I had to make a prediction, you know, by around June of next year, you can see the descheduling of it. And that's really kind of the big first step, right? And then, you know, you've got years of additional things. Like banking really isn't going to come to us you know, in the form that we want to see it for at least another two to three years because that takes time. And, you know, uh, uh, bank, you know, everything from loans to, you know, I mean, all of it, just debit cards. All the problems that we see now aren't going to be solved the day that, you know, this descheduling happens. It will take time. But, you know, it's, it's great. It's progress, right? This is the longest peaceful protest in history, and I'm so excited to be a part of it. And, you know, uh, so excited to be able to be giving people what they want, what they ask for. And I think really at the end of the day, that's what's amazing about not just cannabis, but the industry as a whole is it really is one of those, like, industries that you step into. And while it may seem weird in the beginning because there's so many different people in it, you quickly realize that cannabis is a binder. It binds and bonds people. And, you know, like, it can be of all backgrounds. And the second you start turning that on recreational estate, you know, you see a change in people. And that access to, to marijuana, that movement is something that's very exciting, especially in places that you wouldn't suspect it like Missouri. And, you know, I think the, yeah. the national market's looking at Missouri and going, wow, this is like, I didn't think Michigan would be as big of a they are, right? But, you know, here's one, there's like a top five market nationally. And so it, it, while Missouri seems like a, almost like a flyover state in cannabis, it seems to be well ingrained and well primed. hope I didn't lose you. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. I'm back. I'm back. I'm so sorry. Um, the program does that once in a while. It will just completely cut out, and then I have to. Hey, no problem. Um, give me a minute. Give me one moment here. I just, I'm having troubles. Oh, there you are. For your patience, Michael. <laughs> no problem. I don't know what's wrong with this program, but. Um, I, was, I just got a yeah. reload of, in water so I can keep talking, you know, so that's great. There you go. You get a drink and we'll just keep on keeping on here. Uh, it's yeah, the byproduct we, of being surprised. a smoker, you know. I mean, you know, you smoke yeah. and then you got to do interviews. You definitely got to keep up on water. That's where you need your lozenge, buddy. <laughs> your weed lozenge. So, someone <laughs> actually gave me an inhaler the other day and, and showed me an inhaler. Oh. I was really impressed with the experience with an inhaler because there's actually no smoke to it. And that's what surprised me the most was, like, you know, you you, act, you had a very quick um, um, high from it, but it, it actually felt great. I mean, it felt like pain relief. And that was really promising to me because you don't see people investing very often in truly medical products. And, 
you know, it's very inspiring to see something like that be done at such a commercial scale. So, I mean, what a world we live in, right? Oh, absolutely. I always say stoners are smart. I mean, they're some of the most creative people I've ever met. They're always coming up with Stoner ingenuity. That's right. (laughs) Um, Tell Mr. Guy, if it's a guy or a girl, tell the guys that they need some um, spicy Southwest talkie-style flaming hot chips to get over here. (laughs) I love that idea. I will. I'm meeting with him today. I will give that idea to him. That's a great idea. There there you go. And uh, send us some boxes. (laughs) Oh, and I love your merchandise. We've got to have some merchandise. I like the big F on the cap, too. Thank you, uh, thank you. Yeah, you know we we um, our merchandise game. I we invest a lot in, you know, because mm-hmm. this we're like you know in the world of, of of businesses, especially in cannabis, not many represent movements. You know, like what we're doing is a movement, and it's just it's become bigger than we are. And you got to give people, you know, something to represent when you do that. And Franklin's, you know, I love the look of it. You know, and, and I love how it's evolved over time and it will continue to evolve. But it's always beautiful walking down the street and seeing somebody with an F hat on or, you know, a Franklin's hoodie on TV. And, you know, that level of support is like the thing that drives entrepreneurs like me. Because it's a tough space to be in, you know, as an independent and, you know, at the size and scale we're at today. So, you know, seeing people support the brand is like one of the most heart-filling moments for an entrepreneur. It's pretty cool. It is. We've experienced that ourselves. And uh, it's one of the neatest things because someone's showing pride in your business and they're basically shouting it out to the world, you know. And that is a really cool thing to see somebody love and support your business like you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, look, and in Missouri, those are patients, right? And I think, you know, my wife yeah. is a ah. is a, a pharmacist that's also certified in cannabis medicine and science, and she's our VP of compliance. And, mm. you know, so while we've got a very business aspect to it, that entrepreneur in us, we have a real – and, like, this market's regulated very tightly. You know, it is pretty much GMP facility standards, so you're producing basically food-level-grade products at all times, and that requires a certain mindset. And my wife, being a pharmacist, is the perfect person for that. But that also comes with it a focus on the patient. And so we have a whole brand called True State where we're rolling out as affordably as we can true medicinal-related products like lozenges, inhalers, you know, um, suppositories, patches. And while Mm -hmm. that may not be like a breadwinner that pays, you know, all the payroll and all these things like a vape or a pre-roll would, you know, that's something that we view as a responsibility. We are in a medical market. This is a product that truly does wonders for people with certain ailments. And they need that medicine at the most affordable way possible. But not everyone's a medicine buyer. And so to provide people that product is driven by my wife. And, you know, I think that's kind of something that sets us different. That while we have this cool kind of, you know, swag to us, we've got this huge sense of responsibility behind the scenes. And you can see that reflected in some of the other brands that we've, bought, that we've made and brought to market. Is is the Kush the Kush Kingdom and the these um, pre rolls are are those yours? That's very nice packaging on these, by the way. I'm a Kush girl, Thank so you. I'm like, ooh, I need that. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All of those are um, we do all of our production in house. You know, so we have a manufacturing license, which in Missouri allows us to buy bud from a cultivator and then sell to a dispensary. So, you know, all of our okay. pre rolls. It's interesting about our pre rolls is that like. We're winning right now on quality because we produce fresh every mm-hmm. week. So, you know, I have relationships with 
cultivators where I can order 24 pounds this week, 10 pounds next week, and we just go whip up a batch of fresh blunts, fresh cones, and then, you know, we go produce them for the stores that need that. It's just a weekly schedule. And in doing that, you then get a super fresh product. But we also have a little Mm -hmm. trick to the trade, which is we do blends. And while it sounds like stoner ingenuity, you know, it is really true. Like when you are a a normal um, everyday or heavy consumer, you will build a tolerance to what I would call single variety strains. You know, you will only get so high. Right. Now, when you, right. you know, exploit the entourage effect and you take three of those and you blend them together, now your, your brain is being hit and being lit up in a way that you've never ban- uh, done before. And that's what we call like a multi-band high. And so when mm. you're smoking a Franklin's product, people will go, even hardcore stoners will like, man, this is really smooth. This is a great high. And there's some real science to that. I mean, like, we really spent two, three years producing with other people, you know, to figure out what was the right formula. And so we just have really clean, fresh product that goes in weekly. Mm-hmm. And so our pre-rolls have become a hit. And, you know, we don't use trim. We don't use shake. It's all whole bud small. You know, we grind it down to three millimeters in size, which pulls out stems. It pulls out seeds and gives you a nice, fluffy product. You know, we care about how we pack it. We care how about it's sealed. And that ultimately, you know, creates a really good fresh product. And that's kind of like just a part of the detail that, like, we're passionate about is we're consumers first. So, yeah, we want the freshest stuff too. You know, we want all of our family when they go buy it to be proud of our product. And I think that gets reflected in, you know, kind of the success we've seen early. But long term, you know, it's just going to be hard to compete with freshness. And I think that's something that more marijuana operators embrace. We would probably see better, more fresh products on the market. Are you? Oh, absolutely. It's it's really actually disturbing when, um, you know, I don't, I grow myself, so I'm very picky about what I smoke, and it's usually just my own. <laughs> um, yeah. But I've, I've gone to dispensaries, and I've seen what they prepackage, and what you get in their packages are what we call pot poops. It's the teeny, tiny, tiny little buds at the bottom that don't, that aren't, you know, as, yeah. don't have as, medicinal quality is the rest of the good big buds that they're using for oils and waxes and dabs and things like that. So it's good to hear that you're using, you know, fresh buds um, for these pre-rolls because usually when you go to dispensaries, your pre-rolls are shake. They are just bottom of the bucket stuff, trim and things that they're not using. And um, although we did yeah, come across not- a pretty fun pre-roll, but um Yeah. It's, and that's it's a tough so spot to be in. Yeah. In our line of work is you also have to do that, but then you have to do it at a price that you compete with somebody who's got hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- that's a challenge, you know, just not to create that fresh product. But then to the consumer, it's you, there's education that's required. You know, like they, most consumers that aren't regular users go in and buy a pre-roll and have no concept of shake or trim or sugar leaf right. or whole bud or blend. You know, they just pick yep. up a product and they try it. And that's kind of the, the challenge any little brand has. You know, you need more people to try your product. And so a lot of our strategies come in and doing that. But, you know, it is, a, it is definitely a challenge. It's just because you have a better product doesn't mean that you will be successful in a market. And, you know, we are unwavering in our level of quality. Know that that's going to win out long term, especially in a recreational market, which, you know, will hopefully be here in Missouri in March of next year. So, you know, this industry is ramping up for it, and we are too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's a blood sport game once it turns wreck, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a wild time. It really is. And I think 
I think what will serve you the best is the quality and the freshness that you're ensuring for people because, you know, like we've talked about, that's not really uh, most priorities for the dispensaries around here. They just want the money. So we're seeing, you know, a decline in catering to medical patients and just catering to rec patients, uh, rec people, um, not patients. Um, So I hope that uh, when rec does come for you guys that the medical patients are treated fairly. Uh, That's just something that's super important because, you know, like you said, with the products that you're carrying, the patches and lozenges and suppositories, it's medical for people, you know. It's it's very serious. And I would also say that we might need to, as a society, expand our view of what medical actually looks like. You know, marijuana mm-hmm. in itself is one of the best emotional regulators that I have ever experienced in my life, bar none. One of the safest and best. You know, it has a great way to level you and provide new perspective. And when you're talking about mental health, you know, I mean, marijuana is an incredible product. And that also in itself, I think that we're seeing in society is that there's becoming pushback on regulator, from regulators with people who have the 1,000 milligram, you know, the ultra high dose, because you're now abusing this idea of getting super high and to an, a consumer mm-hmm. that might not understand that level of education. And that's a very dangerous thing to do, especially with a patient, someone that is relying on your product to ease their physical or mental pain. And to your point, that is not embraced enough. And, you know, whether that be a market opportunity or not, there's a responsibility and there's not enough view of that. It's all about the money to a lot of people. And maybe it's because this whole company, you know, operators are under the age of 40 and that I'm under the age of 40 that we share this kind of anti-old world capitalism view and that we got our own views. And that's kind of kind of radical, Mm -hmm. but you know, we just are a different breed, and it's just a different mentality, and I really hope that consumers can see that there are more people like us coming out, you know, in every single state. And if you don't like the option of the big MSO that makes lower quality product, well, you know, hopefully you can be educated on what quality is and, find, you know, see that opportunity and go try new products that are local, that are more quality, that are more fresh. And, you know, um, as patients, I think patients spend a lot of time looking and and understanding products and companies. And I think they'll be very pleased that we really do care and that wherever we go, like that's a passionate topic of ours and we're happy to have those conversations with anybody. You know, in, in today's society, there is a big push just to make money. Um, And we've seen medical patients be pushed aside and it's really sad. And I think the frontline, the frontline folks, which people call bud tenders, which I just absolutely hate that name. But the people mm-hmm. serving the patients, um, they need education, and they need education big time. And part of the problem is you get dispensaries that come in and say, you have to serve X amount of patients per hour or you don't have your job anymore. I mean, they're literally like cycling through patients. I, I was at a dispensary in town, and they're, literally the lady must have been 80-plus. And the way she was treated was horrifying. And then the way mm-hmm. I was treated next was even worse. Um, and as medical patients, you ha- they, you know, these bud tenders or these folks selling the cannabis really need training. And I think that for anybody listening out there, any dis- dispensary, dispensary owner or future possible thinker of owning a dispensary or a cannabis market of any way, they need education. And that's what we're big on at Tumbleweeds is, is the education because um, without that, you have a lot of really over-medicated people 
and patience yep. and sick from it or just don't ever want to do it again. Um, and it's sad because cannabis is just awesome. It's an awesome plant. <laughs> it really is uh, an amazing, amazing plant. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of what you're talking about customer service. You know, it's like mm-hmm. any industry. You know, the, it, let, let's take an industry that I'm not necessarily fond of, but, you know, like the pharmaceutical industry. Like there's a certain level of standard that you have to provide because this is truly medicine, but there's an abuse to it. You know, we've seen that time and time again with greed overpowers the responsibility of what you're producing. And we see that reflected at some of the biggest companies in cannabis where you get away with just focusing on money so long that you could care less about what it actually does for people. And you're getting all this feedback of how great it is. And then, you know, 90% of your sales is direct market. So in the world of greed, absolutely. Why would I ever want to sell anything to medical marijuana patients? But in a new generation that's been raised with a sense of morality, there's that question of like, well, what does this mean for people who actually need it? I mean, like half my family uses cannabis for some type of ailment, you know? So it's, you look at them and you go, what am I going to leave them out high and dry? What am I going to treat them less than everyone else? Because they simply don't spend as much money with me. And that's just wrong. Right. You know, now people yeah. would say there's no morality in the cannabis business. You know, I would disagree. I think there's a ton of morality. It's whether we choose to recognize it or not. And, yep. you know, it's disappointing to see the big companies treat people the way they do. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm the little guy looking to find all the little gaps in the places. And, you know, our number one thing is customer service. I mean, we spend more money on providing something of value to somebody or education or mm-hmm. our time. Like, you have to make those little investments in the business as a little guy because you've got to ultimately see that there are some people that are willing to provide you what you need the way that you want it it might not just be with what you see today. And that's the opportunity for Franklin's. If we can do this right and have our sense of morality and truly stay true to that, when we get real big, not lose that, then we can create something right. exceptional that, that may even work beyond here. But that's a, you know, it's a challenge. You've got to bring people in. You've got to build a culture. You know, you've got to uh, fight off the you, – you, know, you mentioned you know, like how people are from the, from the uh, industry side. You know, operators have a huge – like owners have a huge disconnect between the actual physical employees and most every single entity across the country. Like no owner is in their store typically, you know, unless you're an independent checking in every day or even working the store. Most of these guys are executives that sit in their corporate offices and look at data and make analysis. They don't get a real touch to the streets of where things are or what patients want. They look at, you know, they need to be more CEOs that consume, more CEOs that listen you know, more CEOs that look for ways to help people. And that's our sense of responsibility and kind of the radical side of me. I call it the rage against the machine side. You know, I mean, that's the <laughs> sub 40, that's a older generation right. say, oh, you're young and you're a radical and all that. But, you know, that's the new wave, man. And I think we're seeing that all over the world that we're all done with this, you know, really greedy side of the industry and we want a different option. And that's not to say that the old system would be broken down. They just want another option. And I think that's if we could do that responsibly, it could be incredible for, for everybody. Well, and you have to be radical. How do you think the Franklins discovered our country? You know, they didn't just, like, hop, hop over on a boat and be like, hey, guys, they, they took it. They took this country, and they made it all the way to California. And I think that's why everyone thinks the Californians are craziest. I think they are because they made it all the way across the country. 
you know, I, 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 going through this business, I, you know, there's been a lot of hardening of me as a person, and I've had to look to other things to normalize the behaviors that happen in this industry. And one of the best places I found normalization was in the gold rush. If you go look at the 49 to 56 gold rush in California, you will understand why California is California, you know, and right. it helped me understand, like, what was the code amongst gold miners, you know, like something really interesting to me as I read this book. And in it, they were kind of talking about, like, how they governed the idea of mining the land. And before all the big machinery came in, and when you were panning through groups of people, there was the idea of staking your claim. You'd actually put a stake in the ground, and then you'd go and you would claim your area. And other people had to respect that. However, if you were a paperwork guy, you'd find everyone that staked their claim but didn't file the paperwork with the state and then undermine them and cut them out of their work. That's you know, that's right. similar to exactly how it works over here. Yep. And one of the things I found yep. interesting on it was miners in the early years believed in the right and everybody's right to mine. They knew there was a mass migration coming here, and that was an actual yeah. right. So people who put, like, fake wagons that said, you know, a Pikes Peak or bus didn't find anything were actually hung by fellow gold miners because they were discouraging people from the opportunity to go seek economic advancement. That's right. That, now you're talking about something back in 1849, you know, people in heavy yep. commerce, a highly greed industry talking about morality. And so it shouldn't be a foreign right. concept that in somewhere where there's so much money to be made that there's a sense of morality about how you acquire that and how you redistribute mm-hmm. your wealth. You know, it's not just about stockholders and shareholders anymore in this world. And so, right. you know, that normalization to the gold rush really helped me understand that this is a green rush, that every state is different. It's its own little version of a green rush, and some are better than others, you know, from a from a morality standpoint. But it is definitely pure entrepreneurship, early market economics to its like fullest. Like I'm sure economists 20 years from now will love this category in like college econ, you know, like oh my god, this is right? truly wild history that we're experiencing. But you know, um, California gold rush, man, that is that's been a, a definite um, topic of mine. To, to explore over the last few months. Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, it, there was a code of the West, you know, and there still is a code of the West amongst, you know, certain people and business people. And, you know, we, we know that everybody should have this opportunity. And people ask us, they say, well, how, you know, I want to get into this. How did you do it? And I said, you know how we did it? We just did it. If you want to yeah. do it, you have to just do it. You literally you need to make your list of whatever you need. And you need to start checking it off and you need to start a business. And there is so much opportunity for people out there. Um, It's really hard to watch these big dispensaries just buy up other dispensaries all across the nation um, and not give the opportunities to the little guys, to the mom and pops, to the local people that want to have a nice local shop who don't have billions of dollars, who maybe are cashing in a 401k to, to, to make this dream come true. Um, but there should be the opportunity for everybody to be a part of this business. Uh, I agree with you. Like I during, completely agree with you. Yeah, and just like during the gold rush, look who made the money. It wasn't the people panning. It was the people selling pans to the panners. It was the general stores. It was the people that popped up, you know, tents and sold picks, pans and shovels. You know, so there is people think that you just have to grow marijuana to, to be successful in this business. And you can do any part of the business. Look how you started writing applications, and that launched you into this career. Um, yep. There are so many things in so many ways, and it, I just I hope that you know we can 
get away from these big businesses, but, you know, already the Pfizer's and the, they're buying farms and, you know, building big marijuana, you know, businesses. Well, you know, um, and that's kind of the, that you know, like in our state, we've got, we, this is definitely a big boys club. There's not, and maybe there's probably three independents like me in this state out of 300 and some on life. So let's call it 1%, you know, and some of the bigger guys that are some of the larger multi-state operators, they come in and they trash the market. You know, they drop the distillate prices down to nothing. And while you would go, oh, that's the cheapest for the patient, well, they do it to crush other businesses. You know, it's what's the intent of what people do. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you see big clashes of these corporate giants. And I think over time, it's just going to be – cannabis has this, this natural anti-establishment mentality to it no matter whether you're because it's illegal it's been illegal for so long you know so it's truly anti-establishment in itself and so i just don't believe that long term cannabis is something that will solely be in the eyes in the hands of the big guys you know whether that be a a big pharma or a big tobacco whatever that works out there's still a huge level of business for mom and pops like us all in every state that people will support and that is innate to cannabis people in cannabis love the true individual that is trying to do right. And that multiple states have people like that, but you know, the big state guys are going to trash it and, you know, and the Mm -hmm. sake of greed and, you know, Mm -hmm. eventually that will require some difference. But I like what you said. I, I too believe that everybody should have the opportunity to pursue this. Now I don't believe that the bar should be lowered in order to do that. You know, so for example, you know, in our state, we've decided at a level of quality that DHSS, you know, has their standards and they set it in place, and I can't change that. Now, if they were to open licensing, which I, despite what my cohorts in my industry feel, I feel that that is the best thing. You know, we're going to be rolling out apparently micro licenses, which is a whole other story out here. But wow. people have to bond together in order to make this work for it to not turn into an Illinois, you know, where you're issuing craft cultivation licenses to people who have no money and then telling them to go raise $2 million to build a facility. You know, none of those, not one license that was issued in Illinois ever actually got turned on and and, and a craft license got turned on to date with minority ownership. Everyone had to sell it off for, you know, a million, $2 million and never could actually be in the business. And that's what I'm passionate about. I want to see real people come in here but to do that requires an industry effort, and I'm spending my time in the boardrooms to let them know why it's important to have little guys in these <clears throat> micro-cultivation licenses be successful. I know, guys, that out of 100% of your market share, you're going to give up 5 to 10%, you know, just in, in being cannibalized by these little guys. But look at the value it's going to bring you. Look at the problems it solves for you. And they're starting to see it in this state that – Maybe we need to have a market of small guys. Maybe we need to help them. And while that may never come to fruition, the fact that that mm-hmm. conversation is even being recognized, I think, underlines the tone of where we are in America and what the cannabis industry wants. We want to mix in options, but, you know, we need things in place to let people like us that don't – that may be cashing out a 401K or may not have a paycheck for five years, that isn't living on – you know, hundreds of millions in dollars isn't financed by a big PE firm to go out there and produce mm-hmm. pro- products for the people. And, you know, it's something I'm very passionate about, something I love to pull my soapbox out on. But, you know, I just have positivity and encouragement for the future of cannabis. While it seems scary and it seems like the big corporate giants are going to trash it, 
there's a lot of room for the rest of us. And I think all rising tide, rising tide lifts all ships. And, you know, I'm big on trying to make sure we have a strong industry and a strong economy. And so if there's anything that we can do, you know, we're always happy to jump in and have these conversations, but you know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge in every state. And, you know, I, I support anybody that wants to move in that way in that movement. Absolutely. And I think you're right. They shouldn't, they should, you shouldn't drop the bar at all. The bar should always be the same and that should be the highest quality for the best and afford. Um, that's right. But there should there should be the opportunity for everybody to try if that's what they want to do. It's not an easy thing. It'll be 11 years for us next month, and it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done uh, wow. in my life. 11 years. Is, You've seen is, a lot, I bet. Yeah. We've seen a lot. <laughs> I won't say we've seen it all because you can't, but we've seen a lot. Um, and, you know, we, you know we've, we've struggled. We've succeeded. We keep going because our patients love us. And they love what we stand for, which is education and um, just, you know, quality uh, customer service and care. And I think that's lacking in the world. And if we can be at least one of those places where someone comes and they actually feel listened to and heard, then we'll be it, you know, for forever. Because that's, that's the, what we do. You hit two, two words that are crazy important in this industry listened to and heard. And that doesn't matter mm-hmm. whether you're a patient or you come from a different culture. You know, people are mm-hmm. not being heard. And it, there is that opportunity. If you can make people feel heard and show them and, and listen to and show them real results that you heard them, I mean, it's like an easy business. You know, it's like some of these big successful guys talk about how easy it is, you know, just because you're doing good business. And, you know, I think you experience that too. But, you know, knowing that you've now been in this for 11 years, that gives me a whole new respect for you because I've seen, you know, people from Colorado tell me about their 10 years in the business, you know, and they've got mm-hmm. like, you know, like names for time periods. Like, oh, yeah, between this this year and this year was the corporate wars. And then between this year and this year was the price drops, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like we all – we Missouri's here in year two. We've got 10 years of ups and downs to go experience together, and I think we can draw a lot of wisdom from people like you that – have been around and have seen it. And, you know, obviously coming out the other side, you feel the way you feel. That's obviously the way, the direction we should be going. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, like we've both said, this, this plant is just incredible with what it does. And more and more people will, um, will start to accept that, you know, and then it won't be long before it's descheduled. And then before federally, there's a, there's a program rolled out for the states. And I, I hope that, I hope people don't lose the, the quality in it, you know, the freshness like you do, which is really awesome. Do you guys grow organic or do you know you serve those? Use those so we work with and... wide, so we don't have a cultivation license. We work with a wide variety of cultivators. So everything in Missouri, I can tell you if you're buying bud, especially whole smalls, everything's produced indoor. Almost everybody either A, produces in cocoa with LED or in soil with LED. And there's very few HPS. There's very there's maybe one or two that are producing in soil, and a large part of it is our sanitation standards are so high that they're deeper than a lot of pharmaceutical regulations in the state. So to do soil puts you at a lot of risk. So a lot of people have just moved to cocoa, drip nutrients, indoor LED. The only people producing outdoor and greenhouse are ones producing for biomass for people's production to into liquid. Right. We don't. We only buy. We are fortunate that we have relationships that we're able to buy whole buds at the price many people are paying for trim. 
So, you know, when we're producing mm. oils, you know, like we're, we run, we do CO2 for our extraction process to create distillate and short path. And, you know, we like that for a wide variety of reasons. Why many people love BHO, we're not just about consumer safety. We're also about our own employee safety. And, you know, the, in this state, to have BHO systems is an absurdity from what you have to do regulatory and protection-wise. So, you know, we use CO2. We produce consistently at scale, but that is always a clean distillate that comes from an indoor LED-grown, you know, cocoa or soil company. And it's like, you know, I think out of all the cultivation licenses, we work with less than 6% of them. You know, and that's cool. it's a handful of licensees that we work with, and we really, I mean, we truly yeah. care. We've met all of them. We've gone and see their facilities. I've told people no. You know, it, it is uh, you got to set that when you're when you're trying to aim for quality, you got to set what your inputs are and what your standards are, what mm-hmm. you're unwavering to. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, no one here is really doing any aquaponics. And I've heard of a couple people doing hydro, but it depends on how you want to define hydro. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but it, it's a it's a very corporate model. So in most of these places are big, large, and you know look basically like a Jungle Boys times ten everywhere. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's neat that you get to go see where your where your product's grown. That's always a good thing to be able to check yeah. it out and. Yeah, I mean we we care. People care. You know, you care. You yeah. care where things come from. You know, and. That take that's education. You've been well educated, you know, through your own experience and your perseverance, and you know, entrepreneurship in this industry. You said it. You know, if you want to be in this business, you got to have a level of grit and perseverance that, like, you may not contain today. That's something you develop through experience. And you know, if I here's the greatest suggestion I can give you: how I built Franklin Stash House and I found my ways into the boardrooms and to relation, friendly relationships with all the VPs of ops and everybody was I was a nobody. I was just a guy who wrote some applications. But then I thought to myself, you know what? If I rolled up like a hundred blunts and I smoked with every single person I could, I bet in a year I'd have a ton of relationships. And that's exactly what I did. I went out and just smoked with people. I just, you know, went to meetings. I went and tours. Hey, man, you want to go outside and smoke? Hey, man, you want to get together and smoke? And just built relationships with people, got to know each other, listened to people. And that's my biggest recommendation for anyone that says, you know, I'm having a hard time getting into it is don't be discouraged. It's meant yeah. to be this way because what you come, it grind, it turns you from a piece of coal into a diamond when you come out. So you have to go through that mm-hmm. grind. And you have to experience mm-hmm. these awful things for you to develop your own mind of what you want to build. And, you know, that may start something small like being, you know, a bud tender or being a trimmer or being uh, an analyst. You know, find your spot, but then learn the game. You know, watch what's going on. Truly pay attention and, and turn that into the thing that's for you. And don't be discouraged by, you know, people told me and my partner all along, this wasn't possible. This was insane. You know, even now that we're here and we're rolling out to 80 dispensaries, there are people that don't believe that. You know, it's the natural discourse of entrepreneurship. And so it is not necessarily for everyone, but it will develop you into a strong-willed stoic. And there's no other way to survive the industry other than being that. And so, you know, it's, it is encouraging. There are many nights that I've had where, you know, you go, like, what am I doing? You know, like, Sometimes it feels like too much, but you've got to keep pushing. And if you do, you're going to find yourself in a, in a good spot on the other side. But, 
it's definitely not for the faint of heart. But man, if you're if you're listening to this and you're out there and you want to get in, get out there and grind. Go get it. You know, I mean, that's how we all got into this business, and you know, clearly you as well. And you know, that's encouraging and exciting. Get her done. <laughs> that's right. Get her done. Life's the garden. Dig get it, her done. You know. Yep. Get her done. I love it. Michael, thank you so much. I think we could probably talk for another three or four more hours, especially if we were smoking one of your blunts over there. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to be but out in may- Vegas for MJ BizCon. I'd love to jump on over and wow. come meet you and just burn one down, bring some merch, and talk some more. Let's do it. I, we would love that. That would be really awesome. That's spectacular. Well, Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, uh, if you're looking to follow the journey, we're available on Instagram, which is Franklin's Stash House, and then we are on Twitter at Casey Stash House. Um, well, I we really look forward to meeting you someday and, and burning one down Likewise. with you, and we wish you all the success. It sounds like you're doing awesome things. Uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate you in the, in the industry and helping to spread good cannabis love everywhere. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Have a great day, Michael. Thank you. You too. Thank you. All right, Michael Wilson. Everyone, get on over to franklin-house.com and check them out. Seriously, I want this blunt looks so yummy. Doesn't that look nice? Looks like a little mini cigar. The um the Kush. Kush Kingdom, and then they've got Berry Cherries and Five Years Paper. I think that's what it said. Anywho, check them out. Really awesome. What a great interview. What a great guy. Uh, spreading local love uh, is exactly what we are all about. And education. You guys got to get educated. So we appreciate you tuning in to our radio show. Let's give a shout out to Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come down, get certified. Uh, get some education. Come get some great new products. We've got really cool, uh, what do you call those, cigar pipes? They're, they're cigar pipe style batteries, so they look like you're smoking a sophisticated cigar. You could be the executive with that one. Walk in the room, <laughs> people won't know what hit them. Um, some really beautiful hemp bags. We've got some fun new shirts, a ton of socks, weed socks. Who doesn't want a weed sock, guys? Come on down. And get certified at I don't know if this commercial is going to play or not. Is there anything playing in your headset? I don't have anything either. I got nothing here. So I don't know. Can you still hear me? Okay. Well, folks, we are going to get down and just get her done. Thank you for tuning in. So we say Wednesday. Thank you, Michael Wilson. FranklinStashHouse.com. Get him over there. Go check him out at MJ BizCon. And we hope to see him. Scoot on over. We're not that far away. Thanks for tuning in. Check out tumbleweedhealthcenter.com, thegoodleafshop.com. Remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. And we'll see you all the blunt brunch next week.
Happy Weed Day Wednesday, y'all. Have an awesome Weed Day. Can't even end the episode. Oh, yeah, because I can't. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.